Hi friend, welcome to this week's podcast from the First Baptist Church of Nokomis, where we are building the kingdom of God through the lives of everyday people. If you are new, you can visit our website at fbcnokomis.com. Click on our visitor information page to sign up for our e-newsletter or to learn more about our ministries. We also invite our regular listeners to partner with us and support our digital ministries by clicking the give up. Anybody ever feel like you, you get up in the morning and this is what your, your life feels like? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I, I sleep differently than other people in my house. If I go to a hotel and it's just me and I'm passing through, when I leave the hotel room, I think the maid could actually come in and pretend to clean and not clean. Like, I have a very small footprint in that way. Like, my stuff's all in the bag, I get my stuff, and then, and then I sleep like I'm in a coffin. I don't know how the rest of you guys sleep like that, right? Like, like I unfold that little triangle, shimp, I sneak in, I roll on my stomach for a little while, stretch my back, and then I flip over, and I'm on my back until I'm dead. That's, that's my sleeping method. And then I get up in the morning, I get out, I fold that slide right back over. You wouldn't even know that anybody was in the bed. But for some reason, at home, and I'm not calling anybody out because I don't know how this happens, but when I get out of bed and eventually the bed's empty, it looks like this. And somehow, somebody else in bed gets attacked by wolves in the middle of the night. And she's wrestling with them and fighting them and kicking them off and down and survival. And actually, when she gets up, she's very rested. And then, then you have to what? Make the bed. I, I want to give this emphasis today, folks. So many things in life that are so much bigger than us can actually feel like you can accomplish them if you can start with something as simple as this. This often represents our lives. But when you take a minute and you say, you know what, I know in my head what a made bed looks like. And I could probably put this bed together. When you do, don't, don't make fun of my hospital corners. It's too long on the outside, she says. <laughs> Facebook Live, you got to come to service, Facebook Live. You don't appreciate the, uh, you know, heckling of the preacher. Okay, do I do hospital? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How, I, okay, just, just go with it, people. The bed is a simple metaphor. I know what it can look like and it doesn't look like, and then I take from what it doesn't look like to what I think it can look like, and I make something. And all of a sudden, I can see that it's possible. I want to emphasize hope today, and I'm going to contrast hope with help. If you want to look up, you can look up Acts chapter 3 with me. Beautiful story. By the way, this uh, video has been watched 13 million times. I put it out on Facebook yesterday as a prequel to this morning. Admiral William McRaven gives a commencement speech where he tells the graduates, if you want to be hopeful about your future, you have to start with the little things today. And his first thing is make your bed. Just make your bed. 
See that one possibility and see it through, and it can change things. In Acts chapter 3, we find a young man who was never able to make his bed. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Remember, they're, they're newly Christians, so they're still practicing Judaism as they are Christians, and they go to the temple daily. They're there at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple. In other words, can I have some assistance? Can you help me out? Can you throw me a few bucks? He saw Peter and John, and they were about to enter. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and said, look at us. And then looking at him, the person believed they were going to give him some money, and Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I want to start in a preface here, and I forgive me, it's, it's going to be for a moment a little political, because there's something that the church probably should recognize more and more, and it is a bit of an indirect persecution of the church. And this is what it is. We no longer believe that communities can be charitable. We've decided to minimize our community charities so that we can have and ask for more silver and gold from the government collectively. Okay? And I don't have to make a big argument about that. I don't have to put that on one side or the other. I can just tell you there is a challenge today that says, I need help. And how do you get help? Give me money. But you and I both know that silver and gold cannot solve our world's problems, can it? In fact, I'm also concerned that everybody today can tell you what we need because we need help, but nobody can tell you what that help's supposed to be. Go on Facebook, go on the news. Everybody's an alarmist today. Tell me the last time you heard about somebody talking about a problem and they had a viable solution. Why don't we talk solutions? Why don't we talk hope? We struggle with hope because we'd rather just scream for help. Now, this individual was in as much need of help as anybody else at the temple. I've been there before. I've been there to the situation that would be what we call means-adjusted welfare versus universal welfare. A little bit of a uh, definition to this. When we talk about welfare, usually people pocket it into one framework. What I mean is welfare of our citizens, right? Universal welfare is something most people don't explore, but we have many of them. It actually isn't that big of an argument to discuss universal welfare programs, things that are in our society helping for the welfare of everybody, like the roads you drive on. Would anybody like to ride on the roads and pay every time you go on them? Right? They do that in Chicago and it's expensive. How about stamps? Do you actually think it costs 50 cents to send an envelope to California? The US, United States Postal Service. So universal programs, the military, the police. How about education? That's a universal welfare program. It's for the welfare of our society that we educate our children, that they have that opportunity. Means-adjusted programs are those that say, we have to find where you're, you're in the worst-case scenario and then pool those people together and put an umbrella over them and say, we'll help you guys out. Here's my challenge to that. We should do better at our universal programs. I'll give you a couple of things that offer hope. Montgomery County Public Transit, very hopeful and helpful. It actually encourages people when they come in and they say, I can't get a job. And I say, you should get one in Litchfield. They say, I don't have public transportation. $3 a day and then go work at Taco Bell 
for the lunch hour and have transportation. It's brilliant, right? These are things that we can do. We can figure out together. Nokomis Christian Missions is another sort of universal program. You don't have to be poor to go to get the food pantry. Anybody can get the food pantry. They offer it to everybody, but the people who need it will be the ones who will go get it, likely, right? If you don't need it, you don't get it, but it is available to you. You can go shop in the Nokomis Christian Missions. Anybody can go shop in there. But then we had this problem because we, offer our, we also offer assistance, and people would come in and they'd say, I could use some money. And our funding by private donors who gave so much to help people would just sift out as the word got out. All you have to do is go ask them for money and they'll help you with your Ammon bill, your rent, your blah, blah, blah. So I said, I don't think this is very helpful. Silver and gold just isn't cutting it. It isn't enough to just throw money at it. The question is, how can we also be hopeful? How do we fix this? So the same hope of giving people the opportunity to go work, we figured out is the same hope when helping with assistance. So when people came in and they said they needed financial assistance, we started a pay it forward program. And we would say, if you just volunteer and help us keep our costs down, we can help you and help pay it forward for other people. <gasps> Guess how many calls went down dramatically? Very quickly, people would say, hey, can I get some assistance? Sure, can you volunteer six to eight hours? Um, I got lots going on. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, those who did, pride went up. They loved giving back. So it wasn't a hand out, it was a hand up. Help without hope is not really help. You can throw money at anything. You can go to any city. You can walk by people and they have it. When I was 16, I was working at Monaco's Pizza and I didn't really need my parents anymore. I didn't need allowance my dad used to pay me for mowing the yard. Now I got monocles and I was working and he goes, well, you don't have to get paid to mow the yard. You just mow the yard. And you know my horror stories about mowing the yard, right? Because when you're a kid today, well, one, you don't mow the yard, <laughs> mostly. And if you do mow the yard and something happens, they figure out how to otherwise. My dad never figured out somebody else to mow it. I mowed it. So when the tractor of a two-acre yard went down, I mowed it with the push mower. Now, I've told you horror stories when I was 10, but when I was 16, I was working at Monocles. Why do I still have to mow a yard with a hand mower? And I just happened to be driving back from Monocles, and there was a guy on the side of the road, and it had a sign that said, we'll work for food. And I had an idea. I don't want to mow for four hours with a hand mower. So I did what nobody should ever do. I picked him up. Come on in, buddy, total stranger that I don't know. And we drove to my house, and he had to be probably a little bit older, like 46. And he was leathery, and you'd see his, in fact, he had long sleeve shirts, he, and then he had his big hat brim because he'd been out in the sun. And we get to my house, and I said, look, you'll work for food. I'll even pay you a little bit. You mow the yard. He went out to the ham mower. I went in, and I got something to drink and sat in front of the TV. Like, I did this the worst way possible. I'm just like, mow the yard. About two minutes later, there's a knock at the door. I'm like, how did you not finish? You're done? I open the door. I kid you not. He says, I got to be honest. Most people just give me money. I don't ever get asked to work. <laughs> I said, uh, well, okay, I'll, I guess I'll just take you back. And he says, well, can I eat first? Okay, I guess we'll include lunch. So come on in, you who didn't work, and we'll work for food that doesn't work for food, and sit down. And I made two ham sandwiches, because I like ham sandwiches, and I put the cheese and the ham and the mayonnaise, and I had, boom, and I gave him a ham sandwich, and he opened it up, and he says, oh, I don't eat mayonnaise. 
<laughs> I put that back together, put it in a Ziploc bag. I don't know why I did that after he tore, touched it and whatever, but he, my family he didn't waste food. I'd have that for a later sandwich. And I gave him a sandwich without mayonnaise, and he ate it after, oh, wait, oh, wait, even better. I had to cut it, slice it, triangles. We've got preferences, people. I took him back, I dropped him off, I gave him some money, and I thought, did that really help anyone? Can I get where I'm going with this? Silver and gold we have more than ever in the history of the world. America's the richest country, both now, ever, and we think we can solve things when we throw money at it. But you can't help people if you don't give people hope. You're not helpful if you're not hopeful. And hopeful is different. Hopeful isn't a hand out. Hopeful is a hand up. And Peter looked at the man who was lame since birth and said, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. You know, the indirect persecution of the church is to my point. The church for thousands of years and of late hundreds of years has been the reason we have had charitable contributions in our society. You can go back. We're the reason that there's churches, the reason that there are, are hospitals, churches, the reason that there are colleges and universities. And then now we offer a summer lunch program and the litigation and the paperwork to do the summer lunch program handcuffed us so bad we just couldn't even do it the next year. Why? Because you'd think just getting kids lunch would be something we should try to do. We can't even get a daycare started. We have the facilities, we have the resources, but we have 80 pages of regulations to cut through so we can offer people help that they could hopefully provide for their families. Why is the church limited in what it is to be charitable? And I'll tell you why. Because even as a church, we struggle to remember the hope of Jesus Christ. I'd rather walk by and throw in silver and gold, feel better about myself, not know if their life is any better, than to stop, as Peter did, and say, look at me, know me, and I want to know you, and I want to help you. I don't want to give you a handout. I want to give you a hand up. I want to help you make your bed. Peter does this, and he's healed. What was an obstacle becomes an opportunity. Now, if you want to know how, how to offer people hope, I'm going to give you the name Sam Burns. If you get a chance, you should look it up. Sam Burns was a young man. You can look it up on uh, um, TED Talks. He was 17 years old, and he gave a TED Talk about his disease progeria. Progeria is an illness that affects the cells, that manipulate the cells, that even though he was 17 years of age, he stood no more than four feet tall and weighed 50 pounds. You wouldn't know it to listen to him because he talked about happiness. He had a path towards happiness, and he wasn't worried about progeria because his only goal at 17 was to be in the marching band. The only problem was he wanted to play drums. He wanted to play the snare. If you wear the harness for the snare and the marching band and the drum, it weighs about 40 pounds. He weighs 50 pounds. What do you think's gonna happen? But he wouldn't give up. With his parents, they figured out how to make a six pound harness that worked with a smaller size snare drum and they show the video at the end of TED Talks of Sam Burns playing 
in the marching band, about half the size of the guy next to him. But when you listen to him speak, you don't hear obstacles, you hear opportunities. And one of the things he says about getting to a place that is hopeful is knowing that there are always things you can do. His number one rule to be happy is don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what you can do. And by the way, anybody who's in a crisis mode and is a victim of circumstances, they only have two responses. You know that, right? Only two answers, fight or flight. We're humans. We have engineered marvels beyond the world before us ever being possible. And yet we only seem to come up with two solutions in crisis. Why? Sam Burns says there's thousands of possibilities. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. And there are plenty of things that you can do. Here is a young man who of all people should want a handout and a lot of help. And yet was so inspiring because he offered hope. Hope is the help that you need. Hope is what inspires us to get up in the morning and try new things. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is believing in all things hoped for, certain of what we do not see. You don't know what the day is going to do. You don't know how it's going to unfold. But hope is believing that when it happens and it makes your life a mess, that you can see through it and bring order to that mess. I'm very thankful that our church in many ways has responded, even as we had the summer lunch program or we try to figure out a daycare, we try to do ministries with our community. There's still things that are just a blessing so often. And I gave these ladies a shout out this past week and I'm gonna do it publicly because they deserve it. But I wanna tell you that the response to families in need, and especially when they lose a loved one, is quite special. We have never asked for money for a funeral dinner, but we've always provided it. In fact, we've had funeral after funeral at times, and in all my time here at this church, and certainly of late, Norma Porter is in charge of our funeral dinners, and you know, I've never called Norma. I have yet to call her and have Norma say, it's too much, it's too back-to-back, -to -back. it's too hard, we don't have enough resources, we don't have enough people, people can't provide the side dishes, I, don't, I'm, I have to make too many, never. I have always found hope in our conversation to help others. It's incredible. In fact, many of you, you drive me crazy because somebody's in crisis and you're like, what can we do to help? Can we provide a meal? And then families will be like, too much food. Stop, stop. You guys are like the Macedonians at times. Like we are begging for an opportunity to provide help that is hope. That's what the church does. That is exactly what the church does. We are the Peters and the Johns that say, I do silver and gold. We don't have a lot of money, but what we do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, we give you because we want you to be able to get up from this. We want you to have hope. That is a blessing that we offer to families in need all the time. And I say that because usually with this illustration about Jesus and the miracle, most people will say, well, how do we offer hope like Peter and John? Can we just go up to somebody and pray a miracle and a miracle will happen? And I'm going to caution you right there. I don't think we have the maturity of faith in most Christians today like Peter and John to believe in those miracles. They should happen and they do happen and they can happen. But far too often, 
Christians are like going to the lottery of God. I'm going to pray a thousand times for the miracle, and somewhere God's going to provide it. I have no belief that it's going to happen or when it's going to happen, but I'm just going to hope that it happens. That's not hope. The true hope that Peter and John gave to the person was they fully believed that Jesus had the power to heal. So while you work your way up to that in our novice Christianity, exploring a maturing Christianity, then I just invite you to do something today and this week, something you can do, something that when you wake up looks like it has some chaos to it. A person you've been avoiding that you just know you need to have a conversation with. You go, I don't know if I can do it. See the hope of reconciliation and do it. Just do it. Just make your bed. Admiral McRaven finishes by saying, because if you do the little things and you begin to believe that what you do in the little things can transform, it will eventually carry over to the big things. And the bigger things lead to miracles. And I truly believe that the church is at a precipice to be that charitable people, to not just give help, but remind the world we need hope. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. See you next time. And remember, God is building his kingdom through the lives of everyday people, just like you.